Welcome to Short Stories, a Forest Lake and Anala Writers Group podcast and community radio series. This new series will showcase a selection of short stories, all written and read by a local group of experienced and emerging writers. Hi, this is Bill Pine, and I've been writing books and short stories for about the last 30 years. My working life has embraced school teaching and as a probation and parole officer. I've worked with people from all walks of life and circumstances, so I have a wide range of experiences to draw on. Mostly I like writing period pieces, but I don't have a favourite genre, though the psychology of crime features prominently in my work. This story is set in the Ardennes Hills in Belgium. The title is, And the Imps of Satan Shall Gnaw at Your Groin. It was Jonathan Davis who started it. I could eat a horse, he said. They probably do around here, said Pam. Four of us, me driving, were on the road past Liège in Belgium, headed to Paris to spend the Whit weekend there. Unless you are Church of England, Whitson won't have much meaning for you. It's a church festival, and we had a four-day weekend off from the Hamburg International School, where we were all teachers. Just, but only just long enough to motor to Paris and back, because we were all so much younger then, 1959, and full of vim and vigour. A lot of our vim had evaporated during the long, hard slog down the crowded main trunk road that leads from Aachen to the coast. I had spotted a useful road that turned more inland at Liège and headed in a more convenient and faster direction, or so I thought. The unrelenting gloom of the plains and flatlands of industrial Belgium are suddenly and unexpectedly interrupted by the rising hills and forests of the Ardennes, along the upper reaches of the Maas River. Yes, Belgium has ski resorts. Louise had the Michelin guide, and she looked up the nearest place that had even a mention, let alone any stars, and there it was. Montfermeil, the village was called, and the Hôtel de la Gare, the railway station hotel had one Michelin star. Fine restaurants the length and breadth of Europe would have given their chef's right arm to get even one star in Michelin. So the Hôtel de la Gare definitely beckoned. The Ardennes is, or are, a substantial forest with serious expanses of dark woodland and very steep and winding roads. It hadn't been many years before our visit that a bitter and costly tank battle had been fought in this area between the Americans and the Nazis. And as we drove through the woodlands, here and there could still be seen the hulks of abandoned and rusting tanks with the Nazi Maltese cross on the side. Not everything Nazi was plastered with swastikas. Coming down from a considerable height, we were able to see a deep valley of the River Maas as it made a hairpin bend through a narrow defile. And along both banks, huddled against the hillside, was the straggling village of Mont Hermé. The hotel was indeed there, 
Though the Gare and its railway had been casualties of war, nothing left except a few rusting rails and three forlorn bullet-holed wagons that were being invaded by vines. But no graffiti. Those were the days. The frontage of the hotel was not very wide, and there were three storeys and a gable. Hotel was almost an overstatement, and from outside the place looked less than promising. No doubt the Michelin man had thought the same thing, but like him, lured inside, we found heaven. We passed through the narrow front bar with its zinc counter, passed Monsieur with his drooping moustache, and made for the restaurant out the back. It had about eight tables laid with oilcloth in a startling yellow, and four chairs in green rexine. Everything else was wood, very old wood. Madame entered, a roly-poly lady of a certain age, neither welcoming nor unfriendly, just very matter-of-fact, which is a typical trait of the Belgians. They are dour. I, being the only one of our quartet who spoke French, asked for the menu, whereupon Madame left, taking the bill of fare with her. Then I realised my stupid schoolboy error. In French lands you don't ask for the menu, you ask for the carte if you wish to order different meals. The menu is the special I felt too embarrassed to go after the lady and rectify my mistake. I explained to my companions what I'd done and said, well, we have to expect potluck, but that the Michelin man must have found it okay because there was the star to back me up. In true Belgian-French country style, the components of the meal came in singly. First the peas, then the roasted chestnuts, followed by the new potatoes dripping in butter and a hint of pork scratchings. The trick is to savour each component as it comes, surreptitiously leaving on one side of your plate enough of each to make a complete orchestra by the time the pièce de résistance arrives. The French language never uses pièce de résistance in that way, same as it interprets menu differently, and it never, never says anything as rude as cul-de-sac. The pièce was a splendid pike, fished straight from the mass, steamed to perfection, adorned with chervil and stuffed with more chestnuts and an extra addition, chanterelle mushrooms, the little golden trumpets of the Ardennes woodlands, accompanied by glasses of the local vin ordinaire, the regular wine, which would have been at home in many a big house and was truly extraordinaire. The meal was superb, and we would never have chosen it ourselves. My mistake was vindicated. Fifteen hundred words limits the description of the sheer pleasure of that meal, and of the mixture of just-picked raspberries and red currants from the back garden, smothered in thick, smooth, fresh cream. Very much tempted to stay at Mont-Hermé and forget Paris, we went on our way nonetheless. I at the wheel, the others sleeping it off, breathing deeply and contented. Back in 1959, no motorways, just the three-lane suicide highway. Foreign drivers entering France in the dark had to endure the peril of yellow headlights. 
and the ire of French drivers heading towards you, apparently blinded beyond endurance by the glare of your antisocial white headlights. Much ill will was engendered, not helped by the fact that my car had a German number plate. Trucks coming towards us made a special effort to steer straight at us and shave past with a half centimetre to spare. That'll teach those Bosch bastards. Paris in 1959 was still the same as I'd first encountered it in 1955. Ill-equipped, antiquated, full of nuns and still badly scarred. It was not in any state to receive the millions of visitors who would descend on it later after the currency restrictions imposed during the Second World War were finally lifted after the later colonial wars of France. It was drab. Famous buildings all needed a spring clean. The streets were cobbled with patches of uneven asphalt here and there. The asthmatic old Renault city buses with their curious rear-end poop decks for smokers rattled and lurched along the boulevard Saint-Michel, well down on their springs, like ageing destroyers in a channel storm. The metro smelt of urine and gaulois. It is said that the Calcutta metro is the world's biggest public lavatory, but Paris was there before it. Seduced by this ageing and rather battered old lady that was the city of Paris, we stayed too long to be able to call in at Montermé on the way back north to Hamburg. What feasts of fine fare were we missing out on, we all wondered, as we were once again slogging it up to Aachen. I have to say, Montermé had cast its spell. I went again, on my own, another six times. I used to ring up Madame from Hamburg, by long distance, with all its frustrating dropouts and its crackles and irritable operators, and ask her to get my room ready. I'll send my husband out with his gun, was her usual reply, so that by the time I got there, there was venison on offer, rabbit and pheasant. For my part, I was a celebrity, Monsieur Langlais, they called me, defeated by my name. Though, as a amour bourgeois, Madame also had a double-barrelled name to be reckoned with. No time left to give you an in-depth account of going at 5am, All Saints Mass, with Madame, trudging through light snow, up through the inky blackness of the grim woods, by lantern light, of the congregation which, apart from me, consisted of ancient and fearful old ladies wreathed in black cloaks, of the massive shadow of the clergyman in the pulpit cast by the flickering candlelight against the stucco walls of the church, and which seemed larger than life as it railed against them for being the wickedest of the wicked and thundered, On the hour of your death, the imps of Satan shall gnaw at your groin. This has been a short story written and read by Bill Pine for the Inala Forest Lake Writers Group podcast. Listen for more short stories from the Forest Lake and Inala Writers Group podcast on your favourite podcast platform and during 2022 around Australia on the Community Radio Network and on London's podcast radio in the UK. 
For more information on the writers, visit forestlakewriters.com.au. Short Stories from the Forest Lake and Anala Writers Group is a Brisbane Podcasting Centre audio production supported by Brisbane City Council. Thanks for listening.